This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Malik Yawmiddin. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka al-tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-aliyu al-azim. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yasir li amri wa hlul uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma la sahri la ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alul hazna idha shita sahla. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina wa habibina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihadihi wa stanna bi sunnatihi wa da'a bi da'watihi ila yawm al-deen. Uh, we are continuing our regular tafsir class where we were going through Surah Al-Baqarah. Uh, we, were, we started the second juz uh, and we were speaking about the, one of the first uh, legislations um, that was revealed upon the Ummah after they moved to Medina. And we've mentioned many times before that Mecca, the Meccan period of the Prophet and the Sahaba, was the cultivation period where mainly the verses related to Mecca speak about Tawheed. The Prophet and the Sahaba are being given, uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them the stories of the past to find solace and to find comfort. They are being reminded of Akhirah. They are being reminded of patience because this is the situation they were in. So there were not a lot of legislation. So they haven't... Um, they haven't, it's going to be difficult looking this way a lot because, uh, so, uh, if I don't face this way, um, it would be easier if brothers were this side, but it's fine. Um, um, so, so the Mecki verses, if you read them, if, if you open up any chapter and it is, you can tell from the theme if it is a Meccan surah or a Madani surah. A Meccan surah is emphasizing on Akhirah, Tawheed, Patience, and there's not a lot of new legislation. It is the Madani surahs that speak about different ahkam related to marriage and divorce and transaction and, and prayer and hajj, etc. So, um, Baqarah is clearly a Madani surah. And Baqarah has a lot of ahkam in it. And one of the first ahkam that we come across is the hukum of the changing of the qibla. And there's many others that will follow. Now it wasn't only a hukum, it was also an abrogation. First the Muslims were told to pray towards uh, Baytul Maqdas. And then they were told to change it to the Kaaba. And this caused a reaction from the mushrikeen, from the munafiqeen, and from the Yahud. And from the Muslims. What was the true believer's reaction? Whatever Allah commands us, we do. And what was the reaction of the Yahud? How dare you change your Qibla? This, you have lost all legitimacy now, O Muhammad, because the only thing that legitimized you to begin with was the fact that you honored our Qibla when you were facing towards Baytul Maqdas. But now that you've changed it, you've lost your way. What was the uh, criticism from the, from the uh, Mushrikeen? Muhammad uh, when he was facing towards Jerusalem to begin with You have uh, left the way of your forefathers That which was built by Ibrahim, the Kaaba, etc So, and when he changed the Qibla back It was, well, you, you've come back to the Kaaba You might as well come back to idol worship And the Munafiqeen would be saying Look at Muhammad, he can't change his mind One time he's facing this way The other time he's facing that way So these were the criticisms that Rasulullah Was facing from these types of people And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, explains uh, in the ayahs that we covered why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam changed the qibla and that it's not up to him and wherever Allah tells him to face, he will face. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the whole theme of Baqarah is following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not doubting and not questioning but being true believers and true submitters and the, the, the qibla change was a clear example of that. No matter what Allah tells you, will you be okay and will you be willing to do it? And also an understanding that we as Muslims, and we covered the previous verses before the Qibla change, was talking about the most exemplarily Muslim, which was, of course, uh, Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, and Allah says he is the epitome 
He is the greatest example of someone that has fully submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْ تِلَ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ When Allah said to him, submit, he said, I submit to all of the worlds. So submit when Allah tells you to pray. Submit when Allah tells you to worship him alone. Submit when Allah changes the qibla. Right? And you have to remember that theme. And it's especially relevant because after this, we're going to enter into many verses that speak about legislation. Uh, starting with the ayat that will talk about fasting That will come across quite soon And verses related to other ahkam as well So you, Allah is preparing us That our mentality should be one Where we are willing to do whatever Allah commands us to do uh, And not be like the Yahud who didn't do that فَفْعَلُوا مَا تُؤْمَرُونَ Do what you're being commanded So verse 147 is where we're starting today Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ the truth comes from your Lord. Al-Haqqu min Rabbik. The truth is from your Lord. Whatever that truth is. And here is an important principle, Ikhwan Ifilah, that we must understand of every single thing we read in the Quran. The Quran can generally be split into two things. Statements of fact, commandments from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So commandments and prohibitions, you can lump them together. Things we ought to do or not to do, right? So the do's and don'ts and the statements. Allah being one is a statement. Angels existing is a statement. So akhbar, statements that Allah is telling us. Things Allah is telling us about the past, about the future, about the world of the unseen. So the Quran is, Allah said in the Quran, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا And the word of your Lord has been completed. صِدْقًا It's truthful. فِي الْأَخْبَارِ In its statements. Whatever Allah tells you is truth. وَعَدْلًا And it is just in its commandment and prohibitions. So the do's and don'ts are built upon justice The statements are built upon truth So no one is allowed to deny something Allah told us And no one is allowed to think That one of the commandments of Allah Isn't just or good This is the why also in Surah Al-Bayyinah When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Rasulu min Allahi A messenger of Allah Yetlu Reciting Suhufan mutahara Purified scriptures What's in it? Fiha In it is Kutubun Commandments that are upright, correct and perfect So this is the, the, the mentality of the true believer So Allah is saying that The qibla change and all of it الحق, The truth comes from your Lord So do not be And do not be من المنترين, From those who doubt it So yes the munafiqeen and the yahud and the mushrikeen They're all talking from the side of their mouth uh, Trying to To, to uh, um, uh, Criticize the qibla change And this new commandment don't listen to them and don't let them doubt you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And every nation had a qibla, every community had its own direction of prayer. So, you're not the only one who was given or assigned a qibla. And you will not, so, so the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, it's just another command that you've been given. So, what are we supposed to do then? Rush towards all that is good. Hasten towards that is good. Interesting that Allah is using the word hasten. And that comes across quite often. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ And hasten towards the forgiveness of your Lord. فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Rush towards that which is good. The believer isn't someone that just walks towards that which is good. You must rush towards it. You must hasten towards it. This is why there is a specific virtue in praying in the front row. Right? And... The concept that you want to rush towards that which is good I'll give you guys an example that you'll find in Surah Al-Taha Prophet Musa salam was ordered to go and Receive the Torah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And he brought with him uh, How many men? Who can tell me? How many men of Israel went with him? 70 70, right? And uh, they, they go with him 40 was the amount of days Right? Uh, so As they are going on the mountain tour Musa alayhi salam is rushing to in front of them. They're all going. And then Allah says, Why did you come quicker? Why did you rush, O Musa? What did he say? Oh Allah, they are coming, they're right behind me. And I rushed towards you. Why? So that you can be pleased with me. You know, they were all going, but there was a sense of urgency in Musa alayhi salam that was not in his ummah. And this is a very important ikhwani fillah. That you have a sense of eagerness 
and a sense of rush towards all that is good. وَعَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّ لِتَرَطَ اللَّهُمَّ رَضِيَ عَنَّا اللَّهُمَّ رَضِيَ عَنَّا Oh Allah be pleased with us. Uh, so that's an important lesson. So Allah is saying, فَاسْتَبِقُ الْخَيْرَاتِ Whenever, whenever someone, there is a call to charity, Wallahi, there are awliya of Allah out there. People that are close to Allah and they've been given this gift. The first person that, that gives charity, the first person that, 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 think about it, go to any local masjid. The people that pray in the front row, they're regulars. They are regulars. Any masjid, the people that pray in the front row are most of the time regular. I can, I know every, this masjid, I can name you or I know the faces of all of the regular brothers and uncles that pray. Wallahi, this is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this eagerness to rush towards all that is good. Similarly, when it comes to calls towards charity, when it comes towards i'tikaf, when it comes towards anything that is good. So Allah is commanding us, don't just do good, but what? Rush towards it. Fastabiqul khayrat. So, what is the context here of fastabiqul khayrat as it relates to the qibla? It means... The Qibla has been changed. So, don't believe that it is good. Act upon it. Face towards it. And also rush to all that is good. And all that is good come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that means all of His commandments, including the Qibla change. And for every community and every nation, there was a direction that they faced towards. So rush towards that which is good. Race to good deeds. Wherever you are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gather you together. This is referring to the Day of Judgment. Wherever you are, Allah will gather you all together. So, since Allah is going to gather you together, for what? For judgment, what should you do? فَاسْتَبِقُ الْخَيْرَاتِ Rush towards goodness, good like we mentioned earlier. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Allah is capable of doing everything. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Allah has power to do everything. طيب. Then the Prophet, the Prophet is being commanded again. وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ And wherever you may go, or wherever you may travel to, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطَرَ مَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Turn your face in the direction of the sacred mosque. So wherever you may go, turn towards the Qibla. This is the new law. This is the new commandment. From now on, the direction of prayer is the Kaaba. O Prophet, wherever you may have started out, or wherever you may go, turn your face towards the direction of the sacred mosque. وَإِنَّهُ لَلْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ and this is the truth from your Lord. This is the truth from your Lord. Again, earlier Allah said, it is the truth from your Lord. Again, now, it is the truth from your Lord. The ulama, they ask the question, why is Allah emphasizing? Once, twice, because, because there were so many people that were using the qibla change as a point of criticism of the Prophet ﷺ. So Allah is affirming this fact. Face towards the Qibla wherever you may be It is the truth from your Lord uh, And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said And Allah is not unaware of what you are doing For everyone Those of you that are criticizing Those of you that are hesitating Those of you that are not following Allah is not unaware of what you do And similarly Allah is not unaware of what you do that Which is good So those of you that uh, are doing khair Allah is also not unaware of that So a lot of times The way we the way we uh, think about Allah Almighty. Uh, for example, this verse, Allah is not unaware of what you're doing. The first, a lot of people will come to mind is, watch out, don't sin. Allah is not unaware of what you're doing. Correct? But, do a lot of good. For Allah is not unaware of what you're doing. Allah will reward you for it. So having that positive mindset as well. Right? Do a lot of good because Allah is aware of it. Does that make sense? And I remember one of our shaykhs, may Allah mercy, he died, Sheikh Ali Hassan al Halabi. He, he said uh, one time, I think was he, I, he was either called for a talk or uh, an event or he was asked a question. Astaghfirullah, it was a fatawa. Someone asked a question related to the punishment of the grave. And he said, Why are you calling it punishment of the grave? Why don't you say the blessings of the grave? Aren't people blessed in the grave as well? But often, we name it the punishment of the grave. 
He said, Alaysa had just like there's an adabul qabr, isn't there a na'im al qabr? Isn't there a blessing of the grave? Aren't so many Muslims now enjoying their grave and, and being rewarded by Allah and they cannot wait for their judgment? Isn't that the case? So he said, even though your language and how you speak about it, try and have a positive outlook and say, Shaykh, how, what, regarding our belief in the blessings of the grave. Often people will say, regarding the punishment of the grave. So it is important that we always try and have a positive outlook on things. Does that mean we, we don't we completely forget about the, the negative? or the, No, not. But it is about the mindset of the believer and having hope just like you have fear. And the Prophet said in a hadith, and positivity and optimism is something I like. So this is something to always keep in mind. So Allah is not unaware of what you are doing for those that are criticizing and those that are doing good as well. Because Allah is aware of everything. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 150, and wherever you go, Turn your face towards the Masjid of Haram, the sacred mosque. Again, it is being repeated. Allah then says, وَحَيْثُمَا كُنْتُمْ And all believers wherever you are. فَوَلُّوا وَجُوهَكُمْ شَطَرَهُ Turn your faces towards the sacred mosque as well. So now Allah is speaking to the Prophet and the believers. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adjust the Prophet and the believers separately? What you will find, ikhwan in the Quran, is often Allah addresses the believers Separately, and then Allah might sometimes will mention the Prophet separately, and sometimes mentioning them together. And the reason for this is, although every although there's a general principle, if Allah tells our Prophet something, by extension it involves us as well, right? Right? And when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells the Prophet to have patience, we should also have patience, right? So the general rule is that if the Prophet commands something, then we are included as well. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the believers something, the Prophet is among the believers. He, he would pray five times a day, everything, right? Sometimes though, there is a distinction, and the Prophet is told something that we are not told, uh, and, and we, we are required to do things that the Prophet isn't, right? And the rulings sometimes change. But generally it's the same. But here, because the issue of the Qibla change was such a big change, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasized it. So the, the following verses that we repeated were mainly actually like some of the scholars of Tafsir say referring to when you are traveling So when you are traveling, face the Qibla And when you are not, also face the Qibla Prophet of Allah, face the Qibla Believers also face the Qibla It is almost ensuring that explaining it in detail to ensure that every single person or every single uh, uh, idea that might come up which goes against the commandment is uh, discussed. This is not only for the Prophet, it's for all the Muslims. This is not only when you are in the city, it's also when you are traveling. So Allah says, وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ Wherever you go. فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Turn your face towards the sacred mosque. Uh, we spoke about the Masjid al-Haram, the sacred mosque. We are required to face the Kaaba if we can see the Kaaba. Which is why the prayers are circular, the lines, when you're outside of the, the complex, then you face the mosque. When, you're, when you are outside of the country, you face the general direction. So as you get closer, you have to be more specific. Uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And O believers, wherever you may be, Then turn your faces towards it, towards it, towards the Kaaba, towards the Qibla. So that the people may not have an argument against you. Follow this commandment and do it so that the people may have no argument against you. Who are these people that may have an argument? It is referring to the mushrikeen, the polytheists in Mecca, who may have an argument, would have an argument against the believers if the Prophet kept on facing towards Baytul Maqdas, kept on facing towards Jerusalem, that they would have said, we will never follow Muhammad, he abandoned the faith of his father Ibrahim salam. We will never follow Muhammad, he has abandoned the Kaaba, right? So that they may not have an argument against you, the Qibla has been changed. This is alluding to the wisdoms behind it. Or, uh, some ulama have said, this is referring to the Yahud, who in their books, it said that the final prophet will for some time face Baytul Maqdis, and then his people will be changed to Mecca. Right. So 
so face to Qibla so that they will not have an argument against you because if the Prophet kept on praying towards Bayt al-Maqdis they would say actually you're not the real Prophet why? because the Prophet the last Prophet was told that he would change his Qibla so no matter what you, so, um, so Allah is saying so that this doesn't happen they have no hujja against you this is why we've ordered you to change to face towards the, the, the Kaaba so the people may have an argument against you except the wrongdoers among them so the oppressive among them the unjust among them Regardless of your argument And of its truthfulness They will refuse you anyway So What is then the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Regarding these people فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ Do not fear them وَخْشَوْنِي Fear me instead Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Do not fear them But fear me The word khashya Is not the same as the word khawf Which is not the same as the word wajil which is not the same as the word Rahab. Right? These are all variations that all mean uh, some type of fear. And this is the beauty of the Arab language. English, you'll just have fear. Right? But uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses so many different words. And for example, Allah uses the word Khawf. Khawf is fear. Right? Uh, Allah says in the Quran, in Imran, فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ Do not fear them. وَخَافُونِ Fear me. Right? Uh, the word Khaf Rabbak. People say, fear your Lord. Right? Khawf is to be afraid. And khawf, to be afraid, there's a natural fear, right? And then there is a fear related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that can only be given to him. So what is a natural fear? It's something, I don't know, if men with guns come in right now and would be afraid, then that's fine. This kind of fear is natural. And you're not told to... So when Allah says in the Quran, do not fear them, fear me, it is not related to that type of fear. Regular fear, al-khawf al-tabi'i, right? And you're, this is perfectly fine. Uh... This is why you'll find uh, Prophet Musa alayhi salam inni akhafu an yaqtulun. Okay, I'm afraid that they will kill me. This is a regular fear, right? Uh, then you have the fear as it relates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is that you know that Allah has complete and full authority over you. Complete and full power over you. The one who's keeping you alive is Allah and he can take that away. The one who's blessing you is Allah and he can take that away. The one who can punish is Allah and the one who can reward you is Allah. So that type of fear is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? If someone is afraid of other than Allah in that manner, this is shirk. Does that make sense? And that type of fear is actually you're rewarded for it. You are rewarded for it. I'll give you an example. Why did you not pray Fajr? Why, why do you wake up in the middle of the night? Or, or why do you wake up to pray Fajr? Ya akhi, I wake up because I know if I sleep, I'm afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah rewards you for the fear and for the prayer. Does that make sense? And this is why the fear is amalun qalbi, is an action of the heart. Right? And um, in fact, it is among the greatest ibadat. There is a... Have you all heard of the story of the three men from Banu Israel that were that a they were they went into a cave because it was a rainy night and then a rock stumbled and it blocked them from the entrance and they could not leave and they thought they were going to die. So this is an authentic hadith Bukhari. That then they supplicated to Allah through their actions. Now one of them supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa taala of his kindness to his parents. And another one supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his uh, trustworthiness. And another one, so what that means is, what do I mean by supplicating to Allah through your actions? Each one of us, I hope, and inshallah that's the case, that you have a, a good deed that you've done sometime in the past. And if you ever want to make dua to Allah, among the ways you can do it is, you can invoke Allah through a good deed that you've done. Oh Allah, you know I've done this and this and this. Oh Allah, I've done it only for you. Through this, please, oh Allah, help me. Aid me through that ibadah that I've done. Right? So you invoke Allah. It's called at-tawassulu bil-a'mal. To supplicate to Allah through a good deed that you've done. Invoke Allah through a good action that you've done. So one of these men, and this is the point I'm telling you the story, uh, he, it's a long story, I'll summarize it. He was in love with a woman. And this, and then, and she was in desperate time, in desperate need. And he approached her, she refused and she was, in, she was desperate for money and then he said I will give it to you but if you allow me to be with you uh, of course through haram means 
And at first she refused, but through her desperation and through the need for her children, and she had no, she she had, she felt she had no other option. She agreed, but she was extremely hesitant and she hated it. But she felt like she had no choice. And this man insisted. And at the moment where he was about to do what he wanted, at that moment, she shivered. She shivered, and he said. I haven't harmed you In one of the rewires He said I haven't harmed you Or anything like that So what was going on She said I am afraid of Allah And then This Remember The person uh, That say this, this is going to be This person at So far he's not a good person But this is what He will be using for Allah uh, As a supplication And then he said He stopped himself He stopped himself From that word He said I fear Allah And then he said You, you have this fear in you While you are this desperate for the money And then he said While you are in need Can I not be uh, So he said I should be more afraid So they stopped him And then he had fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then he left her alone And he gave her the money anyway And he said Oh Allah I did that for you And uh, then the, the rock moved The rock moved And all of them it moved For each one it would move slightly Until they had enough to, to, um, to leave so that, that is fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fear that stops you from doing a sin. Allah rewards you for that. The fear that encourages you to do khair. Allah rewards you for that. Right? And you're not allowed to have that type of fear from anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, then you have something called rahba. Allah mentioned that in the Quran. Right? Allah was talking about the Prophet and his prophets and he said, وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَهَبًا وَرَهَبًا وَكَانُوا لَا they would call upon me. Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Anbiya. It's called the Prophet because it speaks about many, many prophets. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they would call upon me in a state of fear and hope. So in fear and in hope. These are the prophets of Allah. But the Rahab, it's fear coupled with action. So, Khawf ma'al amal. They were not just afraid but their fear led them to do good deeds Or stay away from bad deeds So this is called Ra And then you have Khashya Which is in this verse Allah says فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ Do not fear them وَخْشَوْنِي But fear me Khashya is Some ulama say الْخَوْفُ مَعَ الْعِلْمِ It is fear Coupled with knowledge Right And this is why Allah says in the Quran إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ مَنْ الْعُلَمَاءِ Those who truly have Khashya are the scholars, the knowledgeable. For it is with your knowledge that you gain khashya. When you know who Allah is, what Allah wants, what Allah doesn't like. When you know, when you have the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you, this is a fair couple of knowledge. And similarly, so Allah is saying, don't fear the people that are criticizing, don't fear the people that are against the Prophet, don't fear them, and then as a result do anything, or, 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 or don't face, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with knowledge. Allah said uh, So this was the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Have khashya of Allah And some ulama they say khashya is a level higher than khawf And Allah knows best So فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ Do not fear them مَخْشَوْنِي Fear me And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلْأُتِمَّ نِعْمَةِ عَلَيْكُمْ So why was the qibla changed? Why was the qibla changed? Why does Allah command us anything? لِأُتِمَّ Ni'amati alaykum So that I may complete My favor upon you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us here That the reason Why Allah commands us The qibla change, the prayers, everything To perfect my favor upon you Here we learn something That Remember in Surah Al-Fatiha Allah says Guide us to the straight path and then we describe the, the people on the path. Sirat al the path of those and alayhim, oh Allah, you've blessed. Those whom you favor us upon. Right. This favor that we mention, they've been favored, they've been blessed. What is it? This favor and this blessing that the prophets and the righteous people have is yes, it is Allah being pleased with them. Yes, it is going to Jannah. But it is also the receiving of revelation and guidance. This is the blessing. To know where to pray to, who to pray to, how to pray, to know what to do, what not to do. This is all blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So, 
What you're learning here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commandments are not a chore nor a burden. They are a favor upon Allah, from, from Allah upon us. Right? It's not a burden. This is why uh, when you learn also a fiqh or, uh, or uh, there is a statement used for the acts of virtue that we do. They are called takalif. This is why they say, who is the mukallaf? Who is the burden? Mukallaf, taklif is to be burdened. Right? Allahumma, uh, what is it? Allah does not burden a soul except that which it can bear. So the word is burden is used. So, when the scholars of fiqh use the word taklif to describe acts of worship, right? A takalif, the, the, the burdens. Right? You gotta do this, you gotta do this. And uh, you have, um, you have uh, uh, for example, uh, this is something that. Some of the ulama didn't like this, this, the usage of this word because it implies something difficult and hard and what have you. Ibn Qayyim, for example, said that he does not like the usage of the word uh, taklif to, to, uh, as it relates to worship because it has a negative connotation, doesn't it? Right? You're burdened with something. And, and the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commandments are never a burden, rather, they are a blessing and a favor. Allah is saying, And similarly, if you look at the, one of the last verses that were revealed, uh, When all of the religion was revealed, Allah said, Today I have completed my religion for you, and I have perfected my favor upon you. So this is a blessing, it is a favor. We should never look at it any other way. So Allah is saying that the qibla change. And all of it is It is so that I can complete my favor upon you Or perfect my favor upon you So that you may be guided So commandments of Allah What do we benefit from them? We benefit from them It is a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It is guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Which we are desperate for So that you may be guided May Allah guide us all and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now describing this itmam of the ni'mah and this, this, this uh, hidayah. I have the, the, the qibla change as an example. And Allah saying that it is to uh, complete my favor upon you. It is just like me completing my favor upon you and commanding you is a blessing and a favor. Kama similar to or just like. right? Kama arsalna fikum rasulah. Just like we have sent to you, just as we have sent among you a messenger. So, the sending of the messenger, the changing of the qibla, and every other commandment, all of it are what? Ni'am and blessings. Kama arsalna rasulan. Just like we have sent to you a messenger. And what's so special about this messenger? Minkum from amongst you. From amongst the Arabs, from amongst humanity. Minkum. And what is the function of this prophet? Three things. Yatlu alaykum ayatina. He recites upon you our verses or ayat or signs. He purifies you. And he teaches you the book. And the wisdom. Here it means the sunnah. And he teaches you something that you didn't know. So, this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing to us what Prophet Muhammad is doing for us. Allah has described us in detail what this ni'mah, what this favor is. If you guys remember in the previous lessons that we had when we spoke about the dua of Prophet Ibrahim and we mentioned that the Prophet said in a hadith Ana da'wat Ibrahim wa Bushra Isa ibn Maryam the Prophet said I am the prayer of Ibrahim and I am the glad tiding of Isa alayhi salam how is the Prophet the prayer of Ibrahim when Prophet Ibrahim was building the Kaaba Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a dua that he made While he was building the Kaaba So when he was building the Kaaba, who was with him? Prophet Ismail And as they were building the Kaaba, Allah mentions They made that dua and then they said Rabbana, O our Lord Send amongst them Rasulan a prophet Rasulan minhum A prophet amongst them and what does this prophet do? Oh Allah send one that yatlu alayhim ayatika. He will recite upon them your verses. And he will teach them the book. And he will purify them. So this is the dua, right? 
they, Ibrahim and Ismail asked Allah to send to the people of Mecca a messenger that will do what? Recite upon them, teach them, and purify them. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that among his blessings are that he sent us a messenger from amongst the people that will do what? Recite upon us, purify us, and teach us. Now what's interesting is the order is a little bit different. Their dua was, Oh Allah, send them a prophet that recites upon them your ayat, that yuzakihim, teaches them and purifies them. So the order that the dua of Ibrahim was, was recites, teaches, purifies. The order Allah mentions when he's talking about the Prophet is, he will recite upon them my ayat, he will purify them, and he will teach them. Also, why, why, why did the order change? Why was purification mentioned before knowledge here? But when they were making dua, they mentioned knowledge, then purification. Scholars, they say that when Ibrahim was making the dua, he mentioned it in the order that it should be. The source of guidance is the Quran, so he will recite that. And after that, he will teach it. And through that teaching, they will gain purification. And the purification, ikhwanifillah, is the purpose, right? The purpose of our ibadah, of our seeking of knowledge, all of it, the purpose is to find that zakat, to be purified from sin, to be purified from your ego, from your ignorance, from your arrogance, and to be someone that becomes a true abd to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the outcome of the learning, of the sending of the Prophet, of everything. It is the, the, the point of it all. The point of it all is to become, to have this tazkiyah. Right? So, in how does tazkiyah come? A lot of people, they wonder, how do I uh, become closer to Allah? How do I purify my heart? How do I get rid of these bad habits of sin? What can I do? Here's the recipe. Recite the Quran. Recite the Quran. Just recite it? No. Learn about the Quran. Al-Kitab. So learn the Quran. Big difference between reciting it, there's barakah in it, there's khair in it, there's hidayah and shifa in it, guidance and healing, but not just recite it, learn it. Why, what, what does Allah say? Why does Allah say it? What does the Prophet say? Learn the Quran. And then you will find purification and tazkiyah. And through what? Acting upon it as well. طيب. So when Prophet Ibrahim said it, it was the order of how it happens. Recitation, and then learning and implementation, and from that you will gain the tazkiyah that you're looking for. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning it in this verse, Allah says, just like, uh, so we have complete, we, the purpose of it all was, to complete my guidance, just like we have sent you a messenger, from amongst you to do what? To recite upon you my ayat and to purify you. Why is purification mentioned? Because Allah wants to mention the, the goal. It is to emphasize on the goal. So, the reason Allah mentioned it is to tell you the purpose of it all is the tazkiyah. And then, how is that tazkiyah achieved? By teaching the kitab and the hikmah, the sunnah. And I mentioned previously, those that try to say we only follow the Qur'an will never follow the Qur'an because in the Qur'an it is repeated often that the Prophet ﷺ is here to teach us the Qur'an and the hikmah. The hikmah meaning the understanding and, and the clarification of the Qur'an and how is the Qur'an clarified through the Prophet's life, teachings and sunnah. So you can't separate the two. You can never separate the two. If you separate the two, how are you going to pray? Because the amount of salawat and the amount of rak'at and how to do it, that's not in the Quran, is it? How are you going to give zakat? How much to give and what to give? It's not mentioned in the Quran, is it? So there are many, many, many things that are not in the Quran and the Quran gives us the foundations and the sunnah explains it. And they are both from Allah, by the way. Common misconception is that they say the Quran is from Allah and the sunnah is from the Prophet. Both are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Both are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Both are revelation Both are revelation The Prophet didn't make the sunnah up Right? He can't He doesn't speak of his own accord Everything is revelation But there are of course differences The Quran is the literal word and speech of Allah 
while the sunnah is inspired by Allah, but the wording is the prophets. The Quran, you pray with it when you are reciting. You can't recite. You can't recite hadith while praying, right? And there are differences, of course. But what do they have in common? They're all from where? From Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So Allah says, "Kama just as we have sent fiqum to you, Rasulan, a messenger, minkum from amongst you, yitlu alikum ayatina, reciting upon you our ayat." وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ and purifying you وَيُعَلِّمْكُمُ الْكِتَابَ and teaching you the book وَالْحِكْمَةَ and the sunnah and the wisdom uh, and the understanding وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ and he will teach you مَا لَمْ تَكُونُ تَعْلَمُونَ that which you do not know and here is another favor being mentioned here every single thing that we learn is fadl from Allah like Allah said about the Prophet himself وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمْ when Allah was speaking to the Prophet, He said, وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمْ And He taught you that which you, do not, which, which you did not know. Right? So the Prophet, Allah gave him this favor of teaching him the truth and guiding him. Right? وَكَانَ فَضْلِهِ عَلَيْكَ عَظِيمًا And the virtue of Allah upon you is great. Uh, the fadl that Allah has given you. Similarly now, Allah is telling us about the, the, that which we should be grateful for. Allah said, the Prophet, all of the information he gave us, all of the guidance he gave us, is something that we did not know previously, so we should be thankful to Allah and appreciate this favor. Among that is the changing of the Qibla, which then we should do happily, uh, um, submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understanding that every coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a favor from Allah upon us. So now that we've understood that, look at these two final uh, statements that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us. Now they've understood that the changing of the Qibla is a command from Allah that must be followed and you understood the blessings that Allah has given you, the numerous ones. What should you do? فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said فَذْكُرُونِي Remember me أَذْكُرْكُمْ I will remember you وَشْكُرُونِي And be grateful to me and thankful وَلَا تَكْفُرُونَ And never be ungrateful. Here Allah says فَذْكُرُونِي Remember me. How do you remember Allah? Through our actions, through our prayer, through our heart, right? You make dhikr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means you be mindful of Allah. You are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout your day. You make dhikr through your five daily prayers. Afterwards, you make dhikr by mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by making tawbah to Allah, by making istighfar, by reading the Quran. This is all dhikr. And what do you gain from dhikr? So much. So much. First of all, your heart will be content. Allah Indeed, with the members of Allah, do hearts find tranquility? What else do you gain from it? Allah subhanahu the Prophet said, the one who remembers Allah and the one who doesn't, is like the one who is alive versus the one who is dead. What do you gain from it? It is one of the greatest acts of worship. The Prophet said in a beautiful hadith, so I'll not mention to you the best actions you can do. The Prophet said in a long hadith, a beautiful hadith, shall I not tell you the best of your actions, that which is the most pure and beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which is better than giving gold and silver, that which is better than fighting for the sake of Allah and, and uh, you, losing your life. And then the Prophet said, what is it? Dhikrullah, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that we often neglect. What is the advice of the one that wants to be among Those who remember Allah a lot And from men and women Allah has prepared for them a forgiveness And a great reward Do you want to be amongst those? What should you do? How can you be among those that mention Allah often? One more hadith by the way The Prophet Sahabi asked him There is too many ibadat I don't know which one to do the Prophet gave him a beautiful advice Let your tongue never cease to be moist With the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This was the prophetic advice uh, That he gave to the Sahabi So um, First and foremost Your daily salawat Never delay them That's your remembrance Secondly Your daily adhkar Think about it Imagine if someone just acted upon That which is in the fortress of the Muslim When you wake up as you open your eyes, you say, Alhamdulillah, And you don't just say it, you actually say it with intent. I thank Allah, the one who has granted me life after I died, because our sleep is like somewhat like a death, like I mentioned in the Quran, right? Your soul leaves you when you go to bed. Just like the soul would leave you. 
Like in Surah Zumur, Allah Mutiha, So uh, you thank Allah, and then as every time you eat, you genuinely say Bismillah in the name of Allah. And when you finish eating, you genuinely thank Allah. When you leave your house, you read the dua, when you come into it. And you know, when you read the dua, imagine every time you make this dua, you're actually pondering over what you're saying. You're actually thanking Allah. Every sip you take of water, you genuinely thank Allah. This means being mindful to Allah. So, so start applying that. Start doing your daily adhkar. Your morning and evening adhkar. Right? After salawat, do your dhikr. Give time to it. This is, and then finally, the third advice, make the recitation of the Quran part of your life. Recite the Quran. A daily portion, a page, two pages, half a page, a verse, anything you can. Make reciting the Quran because that's the greatest dhikr, uh, a, a portion uh, of your life. So do those three things is how you, inshallah ta'ala, can implement dhikr in your life. And what happens when you do that? Allah will remember you. And what does it mean Allah will remember you? Because Allah does not forget. It means Allah will mention you. In a hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَن ذَكَرَنِي فِي نَفْسِهِ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي نَفْسِهِ وَمَن ذَكَرَنِي فِي مَلَائِنِ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي مَلَائِنِ خَيْرٌ مِنْهُ وَفِي رَوَائِنِ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي الْمَلَائِكَةِ When you mention Allah, Allah mentions you. And when you mention Allah in a gathering, Allah, the most merciful, Allah mentions you in a better gathering among the angels. Every time you do this, think about this. So this is another reason why you should be doing dhikr. And Allah said, Be grateful to me. Be thankful to me. And do not be a kafir. Do not be a kafir. Now what does that mean? Be grateful to me and do not do kufr upon me. Kufr, ikhwanifillah. And I mentioned this before. Linguistically, kufr means a taqdiya. It is to cover something. To cover something. In fact, cover and kufr, they sound the same because they come from, there are a lot of English words that are traced back in Arabic. Kafar, cover. Right? To cover something. So what are you covering? You're covering the truth when you deny it and reject it. So those that deny the prophets, they are kafirun because they rejected the truth. They hid it. They covered it. That's what they wanted. Right? And also, it is to hide or to not recognize the blessings Allah gave you. This is why there is a type of kufr that it doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam. And that's kufru ni'am. To deny, reject the blessings Allah has given you. This is called kufr. To, to appreciate it is called shukr. Right? Shukr and kufr. Shukr is to appreciate the blessings Allah has given you. Kufr is to, to not appreciate them. Right? So... لِذَلِكَ There is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that, that among the problems with the, the woman folk is that the Prophet ﷺ they, they do kufr upon their husbands. How? By not being grateful for what they do. Right? And similarly, uh, Allah mentions in the Quran لَإِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Everyone, all the believers, all the people. If you are grateful, I will give you more. وَلَإِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ and if you don't appreciate the ni'mah, if you don't appreciate the blessings, does that make sense if you want? So what is kufr can also mean denying, rejecting, not appreciating the blessings Allah has given you. Right? So here Allah is saying, Washkuruli, be grateful to me, wala takfurun, and do not reject or deny or do not forget to appreciate my blessings. Do not be ungrateful. That's what it means. Wala takfurun, do not be ungrateful. It doesn't mean here, wala takfurun, don't be a disbeliever. Here in this context, what does it mean? Do not be Ungrateful. So, how can we be grateful? Being grateful has three levels. First way you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we're going to conclude here, is you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by appreciating in your heart the ni'mah Allah has given you. You are a Muslim. Be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Genuinely appreciate it. And recognize the one who gave it to you. Recognize the one who gave it to you. You have children. Be appreciative and recognize the one who blessed you with it. You have a job. Be appreciative and recognize the one who has given it to you. It is who? Allah Almighty. Al-I'tiraf. Right? Then, it is also to, to thank Allah. Don't just recognize it. Actually thank Allah. Oh Allah, I am grateful to you for what you've given me. Oh Allah, I am grateful to you. And you can be grateful by saying, Alhamdulillah. All praise and gratitude. Gratitude and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are grateful. And we are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So actually say it. Right? Then you have through your actions. Through your actions. 
i'malu ala dawuda shukra right allah says to to do acts of gratefulness how your prayer is a sign of gratefulness your zakat is a sign of gratefulness your sadaqah is a sign of gratefulness you show your gratitude through your actions right so uh, uh, your amal your speech and your heart be grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be grateful to allah for the commandments be grateful to Allah for the guidance. Be grateful for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which particular commandment was the context today? Which particular commandment is this context talking about? The changing of the, of the Qibla. But take that as an example. And there are many commandments to follow. Be grateful when Allah tells us what to do. When Allah tells us what to stay away from. When Allah sends us messengers. Those messengers that when they recite the ayat upon us. When they give us guidance. When they teach us. When they purify us. All of this deserves... To be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Which is why ikhwani fillah When you open the mushaf You open the mushaf What is the first word? Surah Alhamdulillah right? Alhamdulillah All thanks and praise and gratitude Belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's almost that there was a question before that Who deserves praise? You open Allah tells you It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then Allah tells you The rest of the Quran Is an example of why Allah deserves praise Allah deserves it because He created us. He deserves praise because He sent us this Quran and this messenger. He deserves praise because of everything good that He's done for us. Allah deserves praise not just for what He's done to us for. And this is the difference, ikhwani fillah, between hamd and shukr. There are differences. Hamd is praise. Shukr is gratitude. And they are used, uh, they intertwine sometimes and they are used interchangeably, but they have different meanings. To praise is to recognize greatness. If someone does a really good job, someone wrote a beautiful book, someone, this translation for example, if it's really good, I can praise the author. Now I can praise someone, they might have not done something for me though. I might praise how someone designed this clock, right? I might say that's an amazing work, you praised it. But that doesn't, it didn't directly do something for you. So it, we praise Allah for who He is. Allah is worthy, worthy of our praise. Allah is the most worthy of our praise. And on top of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because He is Allah, He is the most merciful, He is the most gentle. Because He is Allah, He did so much for us, so He's also deserving of our gratitude. So praise and gratitude. And this is why we say, Alhamdulillah. And this is why we say, Ash-shukrillah. All praise belongs to Allah. All gratitude belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make us among those that constantly praise Him and are thankful to Him and never are ungrateful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm in our faith. We conclude here today, inshallah ta'ala, we'll continue next week. Hayakumullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.